This episode of the Fireflies Unite podcast is sponsored by Saved and Depressed, a suicide survivor's journey of mental health, healing, and faith. After witnessing domestic violence and drug addiction as a child, I struggled with suicidal thoughts from the age of 12 years old until my second suicide attempt at just 24 years old, which led me to being forced into the psychiatric unit. When I reached out to my church family, they their comments pulled me away from the church and ultimately God. Even though I understood that their hearts were pure and genuine, They lack the education on how to handle mental health challenges. In my book, I address generational trauma. I share my darkest moments, insecurities, how I work toward healing and rebuilding a relationship with God. I even offer mental health resources. And it is my hope that when you are finished reading my book, that you will begin to prioritize your mental health and realize that you can pray and see a therapist at the same time. Seeking mental health treatment does not mean that you lack faith in God. My book can be purchased on Amazon and is also available for Kindle readers. Let's get into the show. Fireflies Unite with Kia, your weekly podcast from the perspective of individuals thriving with a mental illness. We are normalizing the conversation about mental health within communities of color to foster mental wellness and empowerment. Welcome to another episode of the Fireflies Unite podcast with me, Kia, where our mission is to bring light into darkness, just like the fireflies, by simply sharing the stories of people of color who live and thrive with a mental illness and to normalize the mental health conversation. So happy Tuesday, because if you are a firefly, and you listen to the podcast every Monday, you know that this is coming out a little late. (laughs) My apologies, you all. It has been a very chaotic weekend. Um, It's been a blessed weekend, and I'm extremely grateful. But with with that weekend, it was just a lot going on. I went to a conference on Friday and Saturday, and then Sunday was my book signing. And a special thank you to Anita Washington, and Sharon Lawrence for both taking time out of their day to be a guest. Uh, Anita moderated the panel that Sharon and I um, did and people were impacted. The room was packed and the room was extremely small. So um, it got a little hot in there, but overall we had a great time. People were engaged, people were asking questions and that was It just took a lot for me to take all of that in, to have that event and to hear the things that like my aunt and my mom said about me. My mom called me her Shiro. There were a few times I got like emotional during the event, but I'm just extremely grateful and I'm extremely blessed. Um, And so to everyone who came out to the book signing, please know that not the bottom of my heart, but my entire heart. I truly do thank you. Um, My words really can't express the appreciation and the gratitude that I have for people who support me. You know, it takes a lot of courage and a lot of faith and a a spirit of boldness to do something and you don't know how it's going to be received. You, You just do it because you believe you're called to do it. 
I'm doing it because it helped me with my healing and I'm just hoping that I can continue to make an impact. So if you came out on Sunday, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Um, so uh, announcement here, y'all ready, y'all ready? So if you're in New Jersey, I need to see you on July 27th at 1 to 4 p.m. for my book signing. I know we are two weeks out and it is my hope and prayer that we can pack the room. The room um, holds about 50 people. So it is my hope and prayer that we can have that room filled. And if you are in New Jersey, please tell your friends. It's in North New Jersey. It's um, I have amazing, amazing panelists that are joining me. And I am super excited to go back home and be able to have um, this book signing. It's in partnership with the co-working space um, called Equal Space. And they have been so gracious enough to donate their space to allow me to have this event. And the panelists includes uh, counselors, Elise and, uh, and, and Tony. I'm, don't, I'm not sure if I'm saying her last name right. Uh, Dr. Reginald Cunningham and nurse practitioner Linda Apong uh, Winfield and a special presentation by my brother. My brother will be in the building uh, performing his song that he wrote for me. Uh, we had him come up on the podcast um, last year and it was just good to sit down and, and talk with him and um, let and to hear his feedback on the things that I'm doing and how it's impacting him. So again, if you're in the North New Jersey area um, and the New York City area, so Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, Bronx, like y'all, I need y'all to come out. Like I, I, I just need y'all. The tickets are $30, but that includes a signed copy of my book, of course, admission in, into the event and then refreshments. So please, 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 yes, I'm begging y'all to come out. If you're not in the area, but you know somebody in that area, please have them to come out and say, I think this will bless you because the event is called Heal the City. And it is my hope that by having this mental health conversation, we'll be able to um, not only educate members of the community, but we'll be able to dismantle the mental health stigma, give people the resources that they need and really help things like poverty, help things like violence, um, help things like teenage pregnancy. If people have some of these, if they have the information when it comes to mental health, we will really be able to start to help the community. It will not happen overnight, but by simply having the conversation, we will be able to do some of those things. So again, July 27th, um, it's from 1 to 4 p.m. Get your tickets on Eventbrite and it will also be in the show notes. I will also be in Birmingham, Alabama next week at the No More Martyrs, their Minority Mental Health Summit, speaking on a panel with some amazing people. I am so excited. I cannot wait. I may not sound excited. Y'all, let me tell y'all, my voice was gone for almost a week. After I recorded last week's episode, it was going in and out because I listened back to the episode. The next day, y'all, it was gone. Like, I was basically whispering. You could barely hear what I was saying. So, it's all good. But needless to say, it's back and it's it's getting better. Um, but yes, please come out next week, um, July 
18th is the conference and I'll be sure to leave the link in the show notes for my New Jersey book signing as well as my as well as the conference next week in Birmingham, Alabama. So I'll be on the panel, but I'll also be there signing books. So I look forward to meeting anyone who may listen to the podcast in Birmingham, Alabama, Birmingham, Alabama. And if we don't have any listeners down there, oh, by the time I come back from Birmingham, Alabama, back home to D.C., we will have some Birmingham, uh, Alabama listeners. So I just wanted to let you all to remind you all about that. Davia Roberts, she is a registered yoga instructor. She is also the host of the Affirm podcast. And she also has an amazing blog called redefineenough.com. And it's a wellness blog. So she she does all things wellness and self-care. And I truly believe that you will enjoy this episode with her. Davia is also a therapist. Um, and so she her podcast is amazing and it's doing extremely well she's really passionate about helping women heal and talking about self-care so let's get into this episode she is going to talk about different forms of therapy that is not talk therapy talk therapy is usually a cbt cognitive behavioral therapy um we know that that may be not be the only option. That's not the only option for people. Sometimes people will go to therapy and they'll be like, this is not working for me. Like I need something else. So on Twitter, uh, Davia had listed like so many methods and forms of therapy. So she is gonna share that. So if you have found that maybe talk therapy is not the best for you, this episode will help you Um, We'll explore other avenues and other forms of therapy that may be a better fit for you. So let's get into this episode. Welcome to to the Fireflies Unite podcast. How are you doing this lovely evening? Thank you for having me. I'm doing really well. I'm super excited to speak with you, especially because I've been following you on social media for probably like a year now or a little over a year. And it's really Uh, You know, I get really excited connecting with other people who are passionate about, um, you know, are passionate about mental health. And I think that the work that you're doing, you know, with your podcast and your blog, it's like it's definitely needed. And so before we get into the topic, I you know, want to ask you, what was the catalyst for you starting Redefine Enough? That is a great question. And I'll be completely honest and say that I didn't, I didn't discuss mental health and therapy. These were not topics that were frequently discussed or really discussed at all in my household when I was growing up. It wasn't until I actually went to college, graduated and started working for a nonprofit and working with kids that I said, oh, child, y'all need more (laughs) than what I can give you. Um, because so much of what the school systems are always preaching is around performance. How are your test scores? What's, what's going on in the classroom? However, they're never taking into consideration the totality of each student. What's their home life like? If they're stressed out and their parents are fighting or they're being exposed to trauma, of course they're not showing up in the classroom. Why are you surprised? And so 
I went off to grad school to become a therapist. And it was in that process where I truly had my eyes opened up and I wanted the information I was learning to not feel so uncommon to everyone else because I knew that my friends weren't having these conversations either. And making mental health and wellness information accessible and self-care and wellness and mindfulness, a common conversation piece was really what spurred me to create Redefine Enough because I didn't want us to be the ones left on the outskirts of this phenomenon, essentially. Right. And, you know, that's a, you said you said a lot, I think, <laughs> as far as like, <laughs> no, it's all good stuff, though. But uh, it's interesting that you were like, you didn't want us to be left out of, you know, the movement or the conversation when when you think about it as black people, we just have a lineage of trauma. And we just when you think of originally how we got here. And our mental health has always been impacted. And if you, you know, technically, if you, you know, it's like we've been pre, you know, exposed to, exposed to when you think about like depression or PTSD, anxiety, those things because of, you know, our history. Intergenerational um, trauma. Very much so. Exactly. And so it's like, we're not talking about it. And so for us, it, it's almost like mental health was looked at as like, it was either it was not talked about because it's like, oh, you just going to pray about it. Or it's like, oh, that's a luxury because like therapy is like for white people or crazy people. So it like we automatically kind of excluded ourselves from that. So but I know from being in therapy for September will make four years of being in therapy consistently with the same therapist. I know the benefits of therapy and I'm always advocating for therapy. And so as most people know, the most common form or method of therapy is CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, also known as like talk therapy, but some people may not find it to be helpful. And I know I saw your post on Twitter and you listed like this long list of you know, different types of therapy. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's something that I never talked about on the podcast. And I think it's important that people know what options are available to them. So I think we can just start off with, can you talk a bit about DBT, dialectal behavioral therapy, and its difference between CBT? Yeah. Um, one thing I do want to clear up is that there are literally hundreds of different forms of therapy that can happen. There are so many different approaches to therapy. And so even though talk therapy and CBT is definitely a very common form, there are so many different approaches that therapists use for talk therapy, and even including DBT as one of them, um, which I think is really, really amazing. And DBT, which stands for Dialectical Behavioral Therapy, is a component that it actually ties in two forms. So you would essentially meet with an individual individual therapist, but you would also have group counseling. And so one of the things about DBT is really let's evaluate your thinking, but give you a set of skills to put into practice on the regular. 
and you're going to work through some stuff independently with your clinician. You're going to do a lot of work in and out of session, and there are worksheets. I mean, I had a thick book <laughs> of different um, <laughs> worksheets and reflection guides and just speaking points with clients um, to explore different thought process um, and different actions and what were some of the things that prompted them and how to connect with people in healthy ways and relationships and really getting outside of this idea that you just have to sit on the couch by yourself in order to have some type of growth. Because that is the biggest misconception. And for a lot of us, if we think that therapy can only be one way and it doesn't work out for us, we internalize that and start to believe, well, it must be me that's messed up. It must be me that's broken or my situation is just unfixable. There's nothing that can ever change or be better. And that is the most harmful untruth for us to digest and sit with. And so it's really just getting that information out there to say, there are different ways to do this. And it can, it can manifest from person to person differently, but it can also present differently from situation to situation. There are some things that you may be easily able to discuss in session and other things that are much too challenging for you to put into words. So giving yourself that grace to just be flexible in this process. Amen to that. Okay. Like that is flexibility. That's a huge, that's big because a lot of times people will go into a therapy session and they'll go to like the first few sessions, like nothing is happening. And I don't like what's, you know, what's wrong or it's, it's my therapist or it's me or whatever the things that people think. And I, I had a few people come to me and they're like, yeah, I've been to therapy for a few months, but I don't think it's working. And I'm like, you, I'm like, I always t let people know, like, you cannot compare your process to my process because mm -hmm. we have, we process things differently. Uh, the trauma that we faced is, is different and how you handle it. Um, is completely different and just giving yourself that grace and also I think the biggest thing that has helped me in therapy is using therapy as a way of being proactive versus reactive because before it was like oh I'm in crisis I need to be in therapy now it's like I'm in this this, this phase where it's just like maintenance right now mm -hmm. so I think you know, you bring up a good point when you talk about just really giving yourself grace and knowing that, you know, what may work for one person may not work for the other. So um, I remember in your post, too, you talked about, I believe it was, was it, did you mention art therapy in yeah. there, too? So have you had any experience of working? Is it is it just used for children or is it also used for adults, too? Art therapy is awesome because you can use it with children and adults. I think with children, they naturally gravitate towards it because they they tend, and it's not always, but they tend to not have the language to put their feelings and experiences into words, but they can show you. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, that therapist can break it down and, you know, ask questions and really get to the root of things. But one of the most amazing things for someone who tends to be in their head is something like art therapy. 
because now you're not trying to figure out the perfect words to express it. You're simply allowing your art to truly just portray what's feel, what you're feeling on the inside. And it helps facilitate the conversation, but most of the effort and most of the processing you're doing internally as you, whether you're painting, sculpting, drawing, whatever that art you know, form takes place, you're, you're channeling all of those feelings, all of those thoughts into this piece. And that gets to speak for you. And I think it's really a game changer if you've had trauma. Like I can't put it into words and I don't know, or I don't know where to start, but having an actual art therapist, because there are tons of clinicians that can integrate art into sessions. I could say, you know, well, draw it and show, show me how, you know, it feels. I'm not an art therapist. I'm just integrating a piece into it, but there are art therapists who can walk you through this process so beautifully and really bring around, bring about transformation. And so if someone is an artist and that's the best way that they're able to express their feelings, I'm like, mm-hmm, you may want to check out an art therapist. <laughs> it's like, yeah. if that's your strength, why not tap into that? You don't have to go the traditional route. Mm-hmm. Go what actually best aligns with who you naturally are. Yeah, I think that's so awesome because, I mean, I don't know how far I would get with art therapy because I only can get through stick figures. Um, (laughs) So, like, but someone I feel like who's super artistic, I can only imagine, like, the type of breakthrough that someone could have. Like, I I can only imagine how therapeutic and how healing and freeing, like, that experience can be. And you know what? And I will even challenge you because a lot of people have that same belief around, I can't do art therapy. I'm not an artist. I'm like, it's not about the actual art. It's the process. Baby, I can't, similar to you, art is not my gift. That's not my calling for the world. (laughs) (laughs) However, even the observations that a clinician can make with certain strokes, like if I'm using like a certain color a lot, or they notice that my intensity picks up, these are all messages that we're sending. It's not about the actual mm. art framed, it's the process. And it's the, the art is simply a vessel that allows us to speak our truth. I'm just like, you just put it so beautifully, but it's, True, though, because we all have different ways of expressing ourselves. Like, I do best by writing. So, but someone else, again, they may do better with art. And if someone, you know, who, you know, let me not even get ahead of myself. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, let me not ask her that yet. So, like, yeah, we can come back. <laughs> yeah, we're going to circle back to that. Um so art therapy um also i know there's also like music therapists because isn't music therapy also very beneficial to some people as well too i mean just overall we know that music can help us outside of therapy but in this instance i'm talking about like actually going to someone who's trained yes it 
I've never done music therapy before, but from what I've heard and understood, it looks different for everyone. Obviously, music takes shape in many different forms, right? Whether you're a singer or maybe you play the guitar or the piano, sometimes it's co-creating with your therapist, putting something into words that you've been experiencing. Sometimes it's you sharing music and saying, this is what captures what I'm feeling, whether there are lyrics or not, and allowing that to guide your process. And especially with teenagers, oh, we love music with teenagers because I don't know if anyone has kids out there, but, <laughs> but, but music is such a, a universal thing that so many of us are connected to. We connect different experiences in our life to music. When you break up with someone, you got that one song that you know if you hear it on the radio, you're going to break down in tears. Like we have that one thing. We, we have that song that we remember when we met the love of our life, when we had this very joyous moment in our life. When we graduated, we can remember the popular song that we heard on the radio. We associate music with so many things, and it's allowing music to be integrated into your healing process as well. And, or it's sometimes just revisiting that moment so you can actually tap back into those feelings. Not relive everything, but say, okay, I've pushed this down for so long, but this music is going to allow me to revisit it so I can actually process and work through it. And that process is a gift. And I will say it is, it is more challenging to find music therapist, but it's a really awesome, awesome process. I can only imagine. It's like, I, I know, you know, for me, like going to therapy, I've had, you know, breakthroughs through just talk therapy, but I just, I would be interested in knowing like to, to hearing someone, someone's experience in like how they had a breakthrough or how they work toward their healing, like through music or art. Like, I'm just very intrigued by that because it's not traditional, but mm -hmm. it also can be really life-changing um, for people. I completely agree. And that's the most awesome thing for me, the most exciting piece, because like you said, we've just been told, this is how therapy looks. You go in, you sit on the couch, you talk and you leave. And it's like, no, it doesn't have to look like that. And that's the most fun part is knowing that you can diversify what your experience is. Absolutely. Even in terms of like a big thing too for like family like therapy. So like, so say if people are having challenges in their family or like their relationship dynamics, like there's also can't, don't they have therapy like specifically just for like family? Yes. And I highly recommend it. <laughs> I don't feel like most of us need family therapy. Um, the beautiful component about family therapy is that it integrates everyone. So no one's voice gets left out of the experience. When we do individual therapy, the beautiful part about that process is that our experience is priority right? And we get to focus on what's going on with us 
How can we interact with the world in a different way so that we're taken care of and that we're creating the life that we desire for ourselves? However, when you're in relationship with other humans, we can't control what they do. <laughs> and so with family therapy, a lot of folks can, can, can tend to get into this place of, well, if we just fix so-and-so, everything else will be better. But family therapy says, no, we operate in a way that is truly impactful of everyone. When one thing is offset, we are all impacted. And this is our opportunity to learn how we impact one another. How, how can we see, hear, and hold one another? And the, the most awesome and sometimes can be very uncomfortable thing about family therapy is that the same roles that you operate in at home tend to show up in session. So the person that didn't have to say anything who like, y'all make me sick and I, I don't want to do nothing with this family. <laughs> They're the one that's sitting away from, you know, everybody else don't want to say anything. And we get to call that person in and say, I noticed that this is during session, you're normally off by yourself. What's going on for you? And really get to call that in and then switch it to other family members. When you see this happening, how do you interpret that? And how does that match up with their actual experience? Because that person may say, y'all don't care about me, so that's why I'm over here. And someone else may say, they don't care about us, so that's why they leave. And there's a disconnect. And family therapy really gets to bring everything together because we're so used to sweeping stuff under the rug. Mm -hmm. And that's a great point. No, that's a great point. Sweeping stuff under the rug, but then also family sometimes, maybe it's too far to say a lot of the times because that's not like I know every family in the world, but <laughs> there are so many cases where family members don't respect uh, someone else's boundaries. Um, they don't realize how their act uh their actions impact someone else um so i think a lot comes up for that or they don't realize how the things that they are doing is like inappropriate and it's like well this is what has always been done this is what my mother did this is what or this is what my father did so i'm going to do it not realizing like okay yeah but that's not okay um and so i i think family therapy is great because it will bring those things to to light um, and I think like, I actually had a few, um, family therapy sessions, my family, I'm originally from New Jersey, but like, um, I suggested that we ha um, do family therapy with my mom and my siblings. I'm the oldest of seven. And that was a very interesting session because here you have my mom and what was six of her children? Because one of my, unfortunately, my brother, who's right under me, he's incarcerated. Um, and so it was all of us in there. And that was like, that was a lot. But at the same time, it gives each person the opportunity to be heard. And I think, yeah, and I think that's one of the beautiful things about family therapy, you don't necessarily have to agree with what another person is saying, but it is important that you respect where that person is coming from because 
perception is reality and what they're saying that's that's reality for them even if it's not true for you and i think family therapy does help with seeing things from another person's perspective and not being stuck in your own world thinking that your way is the only way or your way is the right way completely agreed it forces you to think outside of yourself and with a good clinician you're learning tools to better support not only yourself, but one another. Mm-hmm. And that is the goal. Absolutely. And I think too, another thing, and you can kind of um, talk about ones that I may have missed, but another one that I wanted to talk about, which I know was really great for children, is play therapy can be like super helpful for them. So can you talk about that a little bit? I love play therapy. <laughs> um, play therapy, and we norm most people are familiar with sand tray therapy, and it is exactly what it sounds like. There is a tray, a large tray full of sand, and then the clinician will have miniatures in the room, and these are essentially small, small, small toys almost. Um, and they can be, you know, different people. They can be things in the environment. It can be trees, nature, things from a workplace, from a school. And in this tray, whoever the client is, whether a child, a teenager, or an adult, gets to really recreate certain experiences and certain feelings. So, for instance, definitely haven't been a child for a moment. Um, however, <laughs> in one of my last therapy sessions, my my therapist had me do sand tray and I'm one of really? uh huh. <laughs> and she had asked, you know, how I felt about sand tray and I gave her like a little side eye. And the reason I, I looked at her a little funny was because I know that sand tray is really helpful for adults. We normally think about kids when it comes to, cause we hear play therapy. So we're like, of course that's just for the kids, but with play therapy, you get outside of your head. You stop overthinking stuff. And the really underlying things that are going on for you come up in the sand tray. So as adults, we tend to censor ourselves. We tend to say what makes us look good or what we want our clinician to hear, what we think we want them to, um, what they want to hear. We can censor ourselves to, our, to, a, to a fault whether it's intentional or it's unconscious. But in the sand tray, my clinician said, where did you start in therapy and where are we ending? And I can be transparent and say one of my themes in therapy was around vulnerability. I'm a therapist, but I can be vulnerable with your feelings. <laughs> <Back up outside. laughs> and so, you know, I had to do my own work. <laughs> and, um, and so I had one end and I still have a picture of it to this day, but there were literally guards around me. And on the other end, there were just two but I could actually see out into the open. There were flowers beside me. And she looked at it and she was like, Davia, where you started was literally with an army saying back up. And she was like on this other side, you're still mindful. You still wanna take your time to get to know someone. You're still like, wait a minute, let me vet you out first. But you're actually open. 
And there were certain things that she noticed that when I was putting them down into the tray and creating the scene, I was like, okay, just put this here, put this here. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. We done. Cool. But when she, when she actually took the time to point certain things out, I was like, oh, wow, that does fit exactly what I'm feeling, but I never would have said it that way or I wouldn't have said it at all. It wasn't until I took the time to put it into the tray without overthinking it that my, my true feelings got to come up and actually present themselves in the sand tray. And so I think it's really amazing. And yeah. I've known fellow colleagues to do that with children who have experienced trauma. Um, you know, how did you feel in this moment? What did you want other people to do to support you? And then they bring it into the tray. They're like, this is what I need. And they'll set those things up. Because we could ask that to a kid in session. They're like, I don't know. Because they, they don't have the words to verbalize it. But we give them this tray. They're like, okay, I can see it. Let me figure out how I would want it to look. And now I have a, now I have language to it. It may not be verbal but I'm speaking to you through this. So I love Santre and play therapy. Oh man, this makes me want to like, want to try it. I'm like intrigued. I'm like, ooh, this would be really cool. Um, I think that's great. And I'm so, thank you for sharing and just saying like, you know, and being vulnerable. Like, yeah, it's like, I'm a therapist, but like, yeah, I go to therapy, but it, this is what came up for me because um, I didn't even know that play therapy was something that could be um, not that it's not useful, but I didn't know it was something that they will offer to adults. Yes. And I love and I've done it with um, clients as well, my adult clients. And I think the last therapist that I had was the first one to do it with me. And then I've had plenty of colleagues that have done it with their adult clients as well. So it wasn't a foreign concept to me. It was just the first time someone did it on me. And I was like, oh, snap, we about to get real. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, it's about to go down. It was. <laughs> and I could actually, there were certain observations because for the most part, it's a nonverbal um, session. You're not explaining all the things that you do as it's happening. You know, at, in that moment, you just have the time to create whatever's coming up for you. And at the end, then we may have a conversation. But that process, you just go for it. So once again, there's no overthinking. I don't have to explain myself the whole way through. I just get to, to be. And I love it. So I would highly suggest anyone, if they're doing talk therapy, whatever, more than likely, your clinician knows about it. They may or may not have a sand tray, but you can get creative. I would say go for it. Try one or two sessions and see what you think. Oh, I'm like, I'm excited. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to my therapist. I'm like, Let me hmm. know. <laughs> yeah, no, that seems like, it seems really cool. Like, just to not be able to talk because let's be clear, it can be exhausting to talk sometimes. So if I can just put it together using my hands and I guess I'm not actually really, I mean, you are thinking, but I feel like, I don't know, maybe since I haven't done it, but I feel like it's 
maybe not as much effort because you're like moving and maybe not thinking so much. Like you're kind of like out of your head and your focus is on whatever you're creating opposed to like, if you're talking about something, you're like, hmm, how should I say this? If I say this, she may think this. Like you're having this entire conversation with yourself before you even get out what you're saying. <laughs> exactly, this entire in- internal dialogue to present and censor yourself. Like, I don't want to be misinterpreted. I don't want to get the wrong in- impression. And with this, you're thinking, okay, which of these miniatures would best represent, you know, what what really captures, okay, just this one. But you're not having to, to truly think that through the same way. You're simply scanning through the options that are presented and saying, this will work. Next part. Mm. Yeah, that's 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 awesome. I think what what would you say? I think well other options, because I'm pretty sure there are a lot that I didn't hit on because your tweet was really long. I was like, oh wow. I was like, I know about some of these, but I didn't know about all of these. So what other um types of therapy um can you um speak about that people may not know about, but it may be very beneficial to them? Yeah, um, like you said, one of the things about, you know, therapies that obviously there are so many options, hence why the tweet thread was so so long. Um, but I would encourage anyone to go to goodtherapy.com and they have a, a, a website page that just shows literally like hundreds of different forms of therapy. So I'd say that's like a def, def, definitely great place to start. So goodtherapy.com? Not .com. I lied. It's goodtherapy.org. Goodtherapy.org. I'll be sure to include that in the show notes. Awesome. But they have tons of different approaches and interventions. So I would highly encourage people to check them out. But I know you've done an episode around EMDR. So if, if you're listening and you haven't checked out that episode, that is a great intervention for people who have survived trauma. Um, I love it. When people would ask me about it, I'm like, it's like magical voodoo, but trust me, I got you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It it feels hard to explain and verbalize, but the experience that so many clients have is that they'll notice their traumatic symptoms decrease significantly in a short amount of time. And it may be, you know, a few sessions, but it's maybe three to six sessions versus seven to nine months that that it was in the past of just traditional talk therapy. Um, So I would say EMDR. I would also say somatic experiencing. Somatic experiencing is this another clinical intervention that really focuses on how is your, your pain, how are your experiences showing up in your body? And it's not just it's not just okay where am I carrying this tension no let's really tap into where this trauma is stored in your actual body and we're going to work through that together very intentionally and in in the agency that I used to work in somatic experiencing and EMDR were the main modalities that we use because we were able to see such significant improvement for a lot of our clients Um, but also, we, we tend to forget about the body when it comes to mental health. And a lot of what happens with us is that the stuff that's going on with us mentally and emotionally, that 
that stress, that anxiety, that pain, that discomfort, it shows up as a physical illness, as physical physical strain. And with things like somatic experiencing, you get to tap into that and and truly unpack that experience and begin to work through it. I would say somatic experiencing, um, I've definitely used CBT, but I've also used it with mindfulness because I'm a yoga teacher. And so that's my hippy dippy side coming out. what else is helpful? Some people do drama therapy where you're literally acting things out. And there are, I forget what's the name of the approach, but there's one approach. Um, and I have done it with done it with clients and some people look at you crazy and some people are like, I'm down with this. I need to let this happen. Um, but like empty chair technique where we may actually visualize a person in, a, in an empty, cha- empty chair and you release all those feelings that she's been carrying and you visualize that that person is there for some people that feels more challenging they're like no, i need that or i need this to happen others they're like oh no i'm ready they're going to get a piece of my mind they may not be present but that's another technique that people use <clears throat> Ooh, excuse me um i would say there's also There's also different things around like sex therapy. I think that's one thing that we don't talk about very often, which is so many people, sadly enough, have experienced sexual trauma and being able to provide education around good touch, um, what, you know, like healthy sexual exploration and bringing in different um, learning tools into that process. Obviously, your clinician is never using these things on you. That's a violation. That'll go to the board. It'll lose your license. Um, however, being able to have these these amazing conversations and say, okay, let's explore this in a different way. Or what are these um, tools that we can provide you to get more in touch with your sexuality in a healthy, safe environment? And so I, I think it's really getting getting comfortable with the idea that you don't just have to sit on this couch and they're your soul every session when it comes to your words. Sometimes it means I need to write down my thoughts and I need to actually tell a story. And that's like narrative therapy. I've had people that I I can't really like, I can't put it into words out loud, but I can put it into words on paper. And if you give me space to do that in this session, then we can go somewhere. And they may write out their actual experience. For other people, they may have to tell us tell their story through other characters. And then we get to explore that together. And once again, it's about figuring out what which of these options best aligns with who you are and what you need. It does take trial and error sometimes. For some people, they're like, music therapy ain't it. I thought I'd like it, but it's not for me. And that's fine. Try something else out. Figure out what you need and what aligns with your values and who you naturally are. And just go from there and explore. Like anything else, explore the options that are available to you. Yeah, you know what? When you said that, it made me think about how some people, they, it can be easy to get discouraged 
uh, if they don't feel like something is working or so what would words of encouragement would you give to someone who feels like they aren't making any progress? Um, like what questions should they ask their, themselves or, or even ask their therapist? And I'll add to that and say, when would someone know that it's time for a new therapist? These are great questions. I think where I'd like to start is remembering that like with any treatment, what works for someone may not work for you. We see that all the time when it comes to medication, right? When you get, when say you had surgery and you got a medication, they're like, okay, side effects, maybe. And then they list 8 billion things. Um, some people are going to experience not a single side effect the entire time. Someone else may feel deathly ill, may have an allergic reaction. So it's not that something is wrong with them. It just means that that treatment plan isn't good for them. And we need to find what works. There is something else that works, and we just have to find what that is. My bad. Um, <laughs> so, so this same concept applies to mental health. Let's find out what treatment option is best for you. You don't have to change. We simply need your treatment option to change. And sometimes it's not that it's not that EMDR didn't work. It's not that play therapy didn't work. It's, it's not that somatic experiencing didn't work. Maybe you don't trust your therapist. Maybe you feel unsafe with them. Maybe they're staying surface level and you're like, hey, I'm ready to go deeper. You don't seem to want to go there. And having this conversation that that gently poses those concerns like i know we've been meeting for so many sessions and one thing that keeps coming up is i really want to talk about this and i feel like we haven't gotten there yet um how can how can we start presenting that into session because i, I feel prepared to do that now um or maybe something isn't working in session maybe your your clinician is trying to do cbt and you're like this ain't it this this ain't it. I need something else. Um, and having the autonomy to say that, hey, we've been trying CBT for so many sessions, but I don't. I just don't feel like it's working. I, I'd like for us to try something else. What do you think? You know, we've been working long enough together where I think you may know other options that would probably work well with my with my personality and the stuff that I've been sharing. Like, let's. Could you let me know what, what other options are available? I'd like to explore that because I don't feel like CBT is a good fit for me. Because one of the things that I think is so important for clients to know is that at the end of the day, this is your experience. And I'm it's it's really sad because I've heard horror stories from clients who've worked with me and said, you were going to be my last hope. And if this didn't work out, I just wasn't going to do therapy anymore because their voice had been silenced by, sorry about the curse, by poor clinicians um, who didn't honor who they were, who didn't take their voice seriously. But at the end of the day, this is your session. This is your journey. You know what feels good for you. You know what works. You know what doesn't. You may not know everything in the therapeutic process. That's my job as a clinician to help fill in those gaps. But at the end of the day, you know what makes you feel safe. You know what doesn't feel comfortable. 
as a clinician, I may push back and say, hey, is this a safety thing or is just or is this just new and it feels awkward to you? Would you be open to trying it a few more weeks? I've had conversations like that with clients and they may have tried it a few more weeks and they're like, okay, it was just awkward and it was new and I'm cool with it now. Other people are like, no, nah, this ain't it. I still want to change. <laughs> and we do that. But but it's your right to be able to to say, this doesn't feel good to me. I don't feel like I'm getting what I wanted out of this process and that be okay. I think my last, you know, like disclaimer almost would be, remember that therapy isn't this linear process. Mm-hmm. It's not, all right, I went to two sessions. That means I should feel great now. I've always had to tell, tell clients, therapy is an amazing process. I love it. You know, I've been on both sides of the couch. However, I know that in a lot of cases, it feels worse before it feels better, especially when we're facing past experiences in our lives that bring up uncomfortable feelings. And now we have to revisit those and so it doesn't feel so great in those moments. However, getting to the other side is what's transformational. So allowing ourselves time and not forcing ourselves to be on some fixed timeline that no one else imposed on us except ourselves. Oh, amen to that. That that unrealistic timeline will get you every time. The one that we set for ourselves that is imaginary, but for some reason we like, I have to make it by this particular time. But yeah, like that, like you couldn't have said it better. Like just everything that you said as far as, you know, giving yourself some grace and knowing that it's a process, it's not linear, like it's going to take time, asking your therapist those tough questions and trying something else. Um, And just knowing like your therapist will not take it personal. Like they know if, you know, if someone's, if if a client is not the best fit for them, some therapists or the therapist should, I don't know if all therapists do it, but I know some therapists, they'll say, you know, I'll give you a referral to someone else. You know, my mm-hmm. colleague, maybe they will be a better fit for you. So um, I think it just really goes back to just giving yourself some grace and trusting the process and knowing that it does take time, um, which which I think actually this is a perfect um, tie into what you are doing. Um, I know that you are also offering mental health scholarships. Um, And one of them that I happened to stumble upon was for, I believe it wasn't for therapy. Was it for two therapy sessions? For Redefine Enough? Yes. Yes. At at this time, I'm actually raising funds. I'm raising $5,000. So people are donating, thank the Lord. So if you are listening and you believe in people having access to therapy sessions and that money shouldn't be a barrier, I'm trying to raise $5,000 by July 20th to allow two women of color to be able to have their their sessions paid for and get $1,250 for their sessions. And then the the other 2,500 would go to one student a woman of color who is pursuing a degree in mental health counseling. 
because at the end of the day, like we know therapy is expensive. We know becoming a therapist is expensive and I don't want money to be a barrier. So if y'all are interested in donating, you've got a few coins to spare, go to redefineenough.com forward slash scholarship hyphen fund. Yes, and what I'll do is I'll also include that in the show notes because I think it's needed and what you're doing is definitely amazing because, you know, there are a lot of barriers to people getting um, to getting the treatment that they need. Um, and also we want to make sure that there are more um, people of color who are clinicians too, because um, I truly believe it's extremely important for people like me. I know for me, I only felt comfortable working with the black woman. So that's when I started to make the most progress. Like once I actually found like the right fit, um, and so I, I know how important representation is for some people in order for them to feel comfortable. So I uh, love what you're doing and I'll be sure to leave that link in the show notes. And then if you can also share your social media handles. Well, thank you for sharing um, the information in the show notes. And if you want to connect with me online, my handle is at just Devia. So on Twitter, just Devia, J-U-S-T-D-A-V-I-A. Instagram is the same. And you can always go to my website, justdevia.com for, for resources and more information. Yay. Thank you so much. Like, it's just been really um, calming speaking to you. I know you're probably like, why is it so calming? Your voice is so calming. I literally feel like I feel like I'm floating on a cloud right now. I'm like, <laughs> why? Thank you. I really appreciate that. <laughs> I hope that you obtain tools and resources from the Fireflies Unite podcast to help you manage your mental health. But please do not use it as a substitute for a relationship with a licensed therapist or psychiatrist. Let's continue the conversation by following me on Fireflies Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.